1: everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with
0: Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. All right, welcome back everybody. It's twelve thirty. at Evans, Bob Stoffer with you. It's kicking in today, let me tell you. I uh, just had Ken Holland, Oilers General Manager on the show end of the season interview as the playoffs get started. Victor Hedman is skating, by the way, for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the pregame warm-up. Roos Chris Steakhouse is the greatest steak you've ever had. It's Evanston owned and operated, and it's open from Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. You can head down to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. Roos Chris, 99.90 Jasper Avenue, the 99th roos Chris, that was opened in North America. And again, uh, Brendan, uh, Maggie, and Taylor, they'll take care of you. Without further ado, for the horses and horse racing in Alberta, a reminder limited seating out at Century Mile. They race on Friday and Sunday, but you can watch and wager online at com. for the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry. We welcome back to the show, Mark Specter. Speck, how are you?
1: Yeah, not so bad, Bobby. Just had fifty-five minutes with Ken Holland, and then I heard him uh, most of his uh, hit on your show as well. So uh, we're well versed, eh?
0: Unfortunately, we're well versed, Mark. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and maybe it's because the playoffs are getting started, and we got four games tonight. And the excitement gets going, and I this is such a different year in so many respects there was some significant progressive steps that occurred with the team though i might argue that the five on five play wasn't substantially better this season than it had been the last couple of years and that might get to areas that the Oilers need to improve upon uh but people have heard my dissertations over the course of the last couple of days give me your perspective on what happened here between edmonton and chicago
1: well it starts with that five on five play to me like that's the you know, we always say this, right? The regular season, you win more games on special teams, and the other did a lot of that, and the, the power plays, well, they didn't really go away, frankly, as much in the playoffs this year, in the qualifying round, as usual, but clearly, you win and lose series on your five-on-five five play and you know there's fair to say that the orders made a ton of improvements in a ton of areas this year in the end it was a i would call it a successful season for Tippett and holland in terms of the gains made in a lot of different areas the hardest one to make gains at is five on five and they didn't make many and that's what exploited them in the playoffs in my opinion was was really their ability to keep the puck out of their net and you know they reminded me that having watched the maple Leafs play against columbus here both teams are in a similar spot that they got to dig out of and that is they're both real good regular season teams and they're both the orders are for the first time in a long time they were a walking playoff team they're making the playoffs for sure i think they'll be that same team next year but I think we also have to look at a team and say, okay, great, your playoff team. What are you going to do when you get there? And that's the next hurdle for this organization.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And the shorter series doesn't help, Mark. We've discussed this, you and me, over the years, dating back to the days of total sports, you know. I mean, I did the gold, and I am going to compare it to the U of A only in this sense. I did the games for 13 years. They won six national titles in those 13 years. The three best teams they had didn't win. Now, that's a single-game elimination, because yeah, in one game... Same analogy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. But but the five-game series versus the seven-game series, there's some things that concern me, Mark. The five-on-five five was an issue. The level of an intensity and engagement, like, you're in the building, and I've talked to people that were in the building for other games... There was no hate. Like, Chicago came in, and it's almost like they – and they weren't built to play a heavy game, right? They didn't have Zach Smith. They didn't have Andrew Shaw, who's a pain in the ass. They didn't even have a guy like Seabrook, who can lean on you once in a while. And Chicago came in and played a, a quiet, soft game. And some of the Oilers players that are capable of bringing some physical and emotional intensity to the team, Zach Gassian, Darnell Nurse. They didn't get to the level of their games as well, so you know, it, it, and and that's why it, it it makes me you know for me it makes like I'm frustrated Edmonton's out like the rest of the fans are. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed for the fans, like because I know how much they love and care about the team. Um, the players could do something about it, but you know sometimes you can't just rely on the opposition and a team like Calgary to piss you off to get you going. Sometimes you got to bring a little bit of heat yourself yeah. into the fight. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, no doubt. It, it's about, if, you know, and this is, you know, this is the lesson here, right? So they never got, they never played any of those advantages that you just listed off. And most importantly, there was a physical advantage for the Oilers to play, and they, they did not use it. So to me, someone there has to, and uh, you know, I'm sure the coach is saying it, but it's it, we know about leadership in hockey, and it's got to come from within. It's got to come from the players. and uh, Your leaders have to lead. And you know what Darnell nurse, nurse is a leader, and he didn't lead right He wasn't physical, and he didn't you know it's it's that kind of play, Bob is contagious, right some one guy throws a hit, then the next guy throws a hit, then the next guy throws a hit, and when it starts to work, everyone goes, "Hey, look at that guys. We just found an advantage here, and now we're all hitting you, but you know what I want to say this, Bob. I want to say that leadership comes from your, your top from your leaders and we know who the two leaders are in this team it's Drysdale and it's mcdavid and they're not going out and hitting guys i get it i don't expect mcdavid to be playing a physical game but what they didn't do is the dirty parts of their game right those two players have to show the team that we're ready to sacrifice some offense we're ready to sacrifice the jailbreak offensive rush and we're going we're gonna to dig in in our own zone, and we're going to do the dirty work in our game, and then they can look Zach Casting in the eye and say, Zach, you do the dirty work in your game, and Darnell, you do the dirty work in your game. And what I don't see on this team, Bob, are the top two players. They love the offense, and they only do as much defense as they have to, and they, you won't win in the playoffs until that gets fixed.
0: See, and I think, Mark, about five. I'll, I'll grant you that those two players would be the first two players uh, to tell you that they needed to be better. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll grant you that they tell you that in, despite the fact that McDavid had nine points in, f- in four games. Points, Bob. I know, Mark, points. Mark, Mark. This this is a confluence of events that occurred here. The team. Okay, so they're a factor. I'll grant you that they're a factor. And Drysaddle clearly missed Nugent Hopkins at times defensively. McDavid and Drysaddle, I just said, would be the first to tell you they needed to be better, and maybe they needed to sacrifice a little bit more. Yep. No support whatsoever from the likes of Ath, Athanasiu was useless in this series. Okay. He was useless. Somebody stepped up and believed that that, and, and the worst case scenario happened for him because he needed some runway. He needed to get some games in here. Like Innes made a fairly quick, uh, ascension into the lineup and Athanasiu went the other way. That's pretty clear. Cassian was a non-factor. So, so and Riley Sheehan, who was a third line center, gave them no juice at all so they didn't have the support players their defense couldn't transition the puck the goalies didn't stop the puck enough right and some might say, and I, I don't want to use it as an excuse, but there's a little bit of a luck factor in this game, and the Hawks had a lot of pucks that got funneled into the net. Some people say that's goaltending. Some people say they didn't front enough pucks from uh, forwards out of the point, didn't box enough uh, guys out of the front of the net by the defense. But they had about five things going on. So to me, it's just not on the core leadership. There's several other factors here that matter.
1: I think that's fair. But I'm going to say this to you, Bob. I think you're right. I can list off a whole bunch of players on that order team that didn't do what you hoped that they would do. There's no question about that. Athens, the is not winning your losing your series. He's a bit part here. Right? He was a
0: but, Mark. He He's was a part. He was part. a wild card. He was a Mark. He was a wild card for yeah. Edmonton in a 2 off your fourth line. He's a wild card. And he he, he wasn't on the fourth games. line, Mark. He wasn't on the fourth line for the last two games. He was on the Plus second the first line. Three. <laughs> first two and a half. The last yeah. game and a half, he got a chance in the top two lines. He needed to give them some juice. He didn't. Hey, man. Here's what I'm going to say. You know, you can have... You do this all the time. You want to blame the best players on the team when we know the roster at this time is is, is not...
1: No, no, cons- there's holes in this roster, Bob. They haven't made the playoffs in forever. They didn't just fill out a perfect roster. There are holes in the roster. But what I'm saying to you is, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl love the engine here. So you can go out and fix your brakes, and you can go out and get a uh, better cam, and you can go out and put a new transmission, all that stuff. But the engine drives the car, and these guys drive the orders. And I am telling you, Bob, I am telling you that until those guys have their Iserman moment, their Crosby, their Tays moment where they go, you know what? we got to stop worrying about, you know, I'm not saying worry about winning individual trophies, but we've got to stop. It's not all about points. It's about winning. And I'm here to tell you, Bob, the way that they're playing right now is exceptionally effective offensively. There's no doubt they're the top two scorers in the league. They're also the only two minus players in the top 17 in the league. And I know plus-minus is a bad stat, but over 71 games, Bob, those two guys are minus players. Right? You will. They had
0: they had a her, top, mark. Like they had a horrendous December when Mike Smith. It's a six-month Smith... season, Bob. Everybody
1: has a bad month. Quit apologizing for these guys.
0: They, They're minus points Mark, understand when a goaltender has an eight twenty eight save percentage, that's gonna kill and you play the most, that's gonna kill your save. That's gonna kill your plus minus. So, okay, that, wait a sec here. Let's go back two years. Two years ago, Connor McDavid was plus 27. Plus 27 two years ago. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying mark is I will concede that there were moments that those guys would like to have back McDavid and Drysdale. but the fact of the matter is it's a that that's a good starting point and it seemed there seems to be a certain group in Edmonton that constantly wants to blame the best couple players on the team that's how guys like Taylor Hall get traded for pennies on the dollar because wow you can't win with this guy like, I'm people no used to say that. that about Joe, people used to say that about Joe Sakic in Quebec City. And you know what happened, Mark? You know what he won? He won when they got Patrick Waugh. That's when he won, when they went to, his first seven years in the NHL. He was a loser. A soft minus 40 player a year in Quebec City. Never got out of the first round of the playoffs. His first seven years in the NHL. Joe Sackick was never a loser. They didn't have the support structure in place. This, and this is what the Oilers have to improve. They made a step with a guy like Archibald. they got to get a couple more guys to help round that out. And they can't. When Cassian's playing on their first line at the start of training camp, and Anthony CEO starts training camp on their second line, those guys can't go missing in a short series when you lose two games by a goal. You need a play from somebody else once in a while, too.
1: You do. There's no out hey, Listen, there's an old saying that uh, who much is given much as expected, and I'm not talking payroll here, I don't care what anybody makes, but when you're the most talented player, players on the team, and you've got the most share of pulling on that rope, and those two guys do, because they're Edmonton's best players, they're two of the best players of the game, and that's why the Oilers are in such great shape, because these guys are going to figure it out, but I expect those guys to be able to play a full game, and they will learn. You know, this isn't Boston where you walk in the room and you got Patrice Bergeron from when you're a rookie, like Jake DeBrusk has, and you learn from those guys right away. Look at Kirby Doc; yeah. He's learning every day from guys who won three Stanley Cups. McDavid and Dreissel haven't had that. No one. Taylor Hall never had that. Everly never had that. No one in Edmonton has that. they got to learn by themselves. And I get it. The, uh, McDavid's 23, so that's fine. But I'm here to tell you, I've watched these guys, right? The next step for Steve Eiserman was to not pile up as many points, but to become a hell of a sentiment at both ends of the ice. It only and took him 13 we... years, Mark. Okay. I'm saying it's the next step. Connor McDavid well, is ready for the next step. That's all I'm saying. When we ready come to the ba- next step. He's smart enough. He's good enough. He's big and strong enough. It's all... Drysdale's a big horse. Both those guys are ready for the next step. And all I'm saying, Bob, is until they make the next step they won't lead a team to a place where you want to get. That's
0: and I'm, I'm saying. saying if they don't get more consistent goaltending if they don't get better puck moving defensemen that don't sit there and panic when they're forced defensively and flounder around the ice and if they don't have better support players they don't have a chance as good as they are because it's a team game they only play 22 or 23 minutes a game. Do you know what the goals for and against was when when McDavid, Drysdale, or Nugent Hopkins weren't on the ice in the series? What were they, Bob? I think it was. I think it was five for Chicago, one for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Edmonton lost two one goal games that could have gone either way with a bounce here or there. Saying that, I'm I'm disappointed they lost two. When we come back, we're going to talk about goaltending and defense. Are they good enough? And what does the team need to do? You're listening, to Oilers now. Alright, a quick text on our Ashley Fine Flores text line at 1252. Bob, when the Oilers beat the Wings in 2006, everybody said Datsuk didn't win in the playoffs, but they lost because their goalie played awful, not because Datsuk, uh, Datsuk did. Two years later, they won the cup because Detroit got a better goalie. McDavid wasn't on the ice for the tying or winning goal against in any of, uh, the three games. Well, he had a tough game one. He made a couple, lost a face off on one goal and then saw, uh, got inside positioning of him on a goal. The orders inexperience experience showed, uh, I was the guy in 2006 that said Edmonton was all wrong for Detroit. There was about a 30 point difference in the standings that year, uh, between those two teams and, uh, the orders were prepared to play at a level that Detroit wasn't. It was a ground-and-pound game, and Edmonton got superior, goaltending. That's a best-of-seven. The Oilers lost a best-of-five against the Chicago team with three guys that know how to win. Jonathan Tays and Speck rightfully noticed the impact he had on Kirby Dock. Um, again, Speck, I, I I can see that there's moments that McDavid and Drysettle would want to have back five on five but to me what what happened here is the Oilers roster as a whole got exposed a bit and let's start with goaltending was it good enough in the series mark
1: no it can't be good enough when you what was cost i think he was at uh, eight 886. eight eighty six eight eighty six so that's okay. a moot point bob it's
0: not good uh, enough all right and uh smith started game one that's another we've already discussed that ad nauseum can they bring the same tandem back
1: well, you know what—that that's where it gets murky. This five-game series, like, because that tandem was good enough to have them contending for the Pacific Division title all season long. You know that title that that tandem. If you went by points, they wouldn't even have played in the qualifying round, right? So I'm not, you know, I'm not looking back on the season and saying goaltending was a bad situation. I'm listen, long term, Smith and Koskinen aren't the aren't the uh, solution. I'm not saying they are. But for one more year, if you base your opinion off the regular season, why not? If you base your opinion off the playoffs, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, they certainly, mostly and wasn't able to mask a very poor effort from his club in front of him. But uh, although the goaltending in the playoffs wasn't near good enough, it's about the fifth or sixth thing I'm looking at when I look at that order's team in the playoff performance.
0: Mark, the Oilers went from a 482 points percentage, 25th in the league, to a 585 points percentage, 12th. They went from 20th in goals to 14th in goals for. They went from 25th in goals against to 15th in goals against. Their power play went from 9th, it was pretty good a year ago, to 1st in the league. Best power play we've seen, you know, 40 years. Uh, Penalty killing wise, they went from 30th to 2nd. Uh, save percentage, they went from 27th to 14th. Those are all significant improvements. However, shots for, shots against. Back to the possession metrics. 28th and 19th a year ago, 28th and shots for, 19th and shots against. This year, they were 29th and 20th. So where they made the improvement to all their key numbers was with special teams. And that's, to me, coaching and a little bit with the personnel that
1: was brought in. Uh, their five-on-five the personnel play... personnel that they have, right? The personnel yeah. that they have, like... You got drysettle and McDavid, Nugent, Hopkins. On the power, play. the power play.
0: <laughs> but the penalty killing going from 30th to second, that is, Excellent. It, Excellent. right? That Sheehan and Archibald were the first two forwards on every, you know, when they were both healthy. So here's a question I have for you. So their improvement was mostly as a result of the power play. If you look at special teams, if you look at the numbers, their five-on-five five numbers are still kind of outshot, two-and-a-half shots per game. That tends to catch up to you after a while. Um. Which is partially, to me, a reflection on the depth at forward, but also on the transition abilities of the defense. So, you talked about goaltending. What do you do with the defense here? You know, can you can you come back with Clefbom, Larson, Nurse, and Bears your top four next year? Or do you need to make a change there?
1: Well, three of those guys are going to be in your top four next year. You know, you're not getting rid of Clefbaum. He's a good player at an excellent contract. Um, you know, obviously, Bear is going to play for your team for a long time. He was a rookie, and Nurse is among the leadership group. And uh, you know what? It would be a very bold move to move Darnell Nurse. And there's people around the league that don't like his defensive game. You know, when I when I look at defensive Bob, I think if you're going to be a really high end offensive guy, then you can, can have some warts defensively. Uh, Darnell Nurse is not a high end offensive guy. Uh, and, you know, he needs to improve defensively. He needs to be, uh, for his offensive output and his offensive abilities, he needs to be a better defensive player, in my opinion, to get the paycheck he'll be looking for next time. Uh, so at this point, I keep him and let him grow. But in that top four, it's my I think that they will move Adam Larson uh, because I think there's a huge ask around the league for guys that you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, do they need Adam Larson? You bet they need Adam Larson. And there's other teams that would say the same thing.
0: See, and, and it's interesting, I look at I did not like Clefbaum and Larson's play in either of the first two games, and then Larson was out of the series, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like Clefbaum's Clef, Clef, play the entire, but for me, for, I, I, I can't I look at how Adam played in January, February, March, and he got back to the level that he was at in his first two years here. He gave them a strong shutdown presence. And I want to integrate a guy like Bouchard into a mix next year, Mark, on the right side. And I, So the Oilers need a, a, a physical guy that's capable of defending and stopping cycles. Even though you want to spend yep. less time in your own zone, you got to transition the puck. I'm not convinced I'd necessarily, at least for another year, I'm not convinced I'd change out that top four. I'd make the that's- changes in the bottom pairings.
1: Well, that's fair. And, I mean, we kind of look at the new model now is your bottom pairings are where you nurture young players coming up. You know, yeah. that's where Bouchard's going to work in. That's where Broberg's going to work in one day. Um, but I'll tell you what you can't get caught up in here, and I know I keep referencing the Leafs. You can't get caught up in trying to get six skilled defensemen who lead the league in zone exits and, and make a great pass and all that stuff because what you're going to have is a team that does, has a great regular season, and when the game changes, and, you know, we can decry the fact that the game changes, we can say, oh, I wish it stayed sure. wide open in the playoffs. And we, you know what else we could say, Bob? We could say, I wish pitching didn't beat, you know, good pitching didn't beat good hitting, but it has for 100 years, right, in the playoffs. That's we'll ta- a fact.
0: All right, well, the problem the Oilers had is they only had one defenseman effectively uh, zone exit in the first three games, and, and he was a rookie. Uh, 12.59 in Edmonton, we'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. More for the horses and horse race in Alberta with Mark Spector when we return.
1: Oilers now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.